Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the fall of 1987, four men find themselves reunited with childhood friends for the first time in ten years. They are drawn together by the mysterious death of a mentor they all cared for together as children. World of Darkness, The Ultimate Evil is a first edition Chronicles of Darkness game that takes place in Bismarck, North Dakota and is inspired by the satanic panic of the 1980s. Remembrance is the first story arc that follows Alex, played by Adam B., Wayne, played by Adam C., Che, played by Andrew, and Michael, played by Slavic, as they discover the mysteries that surround them in their hometown. If you would like to contact us, you can reach us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to World of Darkness, the Ultimate Evil's first session, session one. I have Adam here and I have Slavic here. What we're going to do is, just for those of you who aren't aware, the game takes place in 1987. But there's some backstory that goes on and that help get you guys situated to, to where the story's going to take place. So both of you were born and raised in Bismarck, North Dakota. For those of you who don't know, it's, it's in northern United States, borders, Canada, kind of quaint state at this time. Kind of not doesn't have too many big cities. And the biggest two biggest cities are either Fargo, North Dakota, or Bismarck, North Dakota, which is the capital. We're going to talk about the years 1977. It's the summer of 1977. You two as children are enrolled into a summer program that is for kids who are having behavioral issues, aka brats or troublemakers. I'm going to uh, let you, Adam, first describe your character as a kid, his name, and what he was like as a kid that brought him in here, and then we'll go to Slavic. So go ahead, Adam. All right. My character is Alex Sokolov. Um, as a kid, he was a smartass. He was the class clown. He's uh, actually of Russian ancestry. Yes, he's Russian. His actual first name is Alexei. But given that this is Cold War America, he tends to hide that quite a bit. <laughs> so Alexei's dad was very absent. He was working a lot. His mom was very passive, didn't tend to be terribly involved. So he sought out all the attention he could get at school from his peers, from teachers. And eventually one of his pranks went a little too far. Someone got hurt, and his mom ended up putting him into this program to try to help him get on the right track, maybe get a better future for himself and the one that he was building by acting out. Okay, so my character is Michael Gray, who, as a child, he was uh, he had a lot of pent-up anger and anger issues, and he was a bully. And it was because his father got killed when he was eight years old, and he got killed in a drunken bar fight, got stabbed. And his mom sort of works two jobs, isn't at home much, you know, and works all, all the time to support them, and which leaves him with a lot of free time where he's... He's not home alone. He usually goes outside and he hangs with, you know, other poor kids and they cause lots of trouble. And that's sort of why he got put put into this troubled youth uh, program. So that brings you two together, along with uh, roughly 10 other kids 
who are part of this program, who are from the age of 12 to 14, uh, have this counselor named Amanda Porter, who basically was an 18-year-old, just graduated high school, had straight blonde hair that was cut down to the center of her back. That was the fashion then in 1977. Had uh, piercing blue eyes that were probably from a German background. She's about five foot three, 100 pounds. But the thing about her was that within that five foot three frame was the heart and the, the personality of someone that was like much bigger and, and, and physically imposing. Basically, she was just this, this really fiery spirit that was in, that was entrapped in the small body. But that spirit was a spirit of caring and uh, wanting to give back to the world. She came from a Christian background growing up in Bismarck. She throughout the year, she had worked on like different Christian summer camps, but this year she decided she wanted to try something new and uh, work on this program. During this summer, uh, which was, it was a beautiful summer, by the way, in North Dakota, like green trees out, you know, slightly humid at the time, but you guys would do everything from go to the, the Capitol State grounds to look at the Heritage Center, which is like a museum, to going along the Missouri River, to go swimming. Just, she always found something to do with you guys every day to kind of show you different aspects of life and, and other than getting in trouble. But also she, she became uh, almost a mentor to, to each of you in the group, taking time specifically with each of you to find about who you really were, what, what drove you, why you were the way you were. And also though, not only harping on the negative aspects of you, but she also wanted to find the, the good aspects of you. The, the talents, the gifts that you guys had, because she felt like you all had gifts. You just weren't being able to, to find the right the right way to channel them. So what was your relationship like with her, Adam, when you were a kid? She was Alexi's first crush. Uh, she was extremely sweet to him. She, Her kindness, the focus of her attention on helping him to develop his sense of humor his behaviors into a more positive outlet, you know, making people laugh instead of putting people into positions where he could laugh at them. But yeah, he was very into her. He definitely had a massive first crush on her. Oh, what about you, uh, Michael? What was your uh, relationship with her? Yeah, I think she was definitely a bit strict with him because he was a violent kid and he was aggressive, but it was a stable time for him. You know, it, he didn't have to worry about things like if they're going to eat next week and stuff like that, you know, and she really helped him apply himself, you know, into sports, get him to, to channel his anger somewhere. And that's actually how we started doing track and field. So she was basically like a, almost a temporary parental figure, not on the mom. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because, yeah, because obviously with your mother working hard enough and caring about you, but she had no time for the, uh, the nurturing side of motherhood. So yeah, that's very good. This summer was amazing for you guys. I mean, you, you not only did you get to have a good time with her during the day and, and this group with her, but you met these these other eight kids you guys were like almost like a little bmx bicycle gang with each other for that summer like when when you guys weren't there at the camp you guys were out and about doing what you guys did there's a reason why you guys were all together and unfortunate for the some windows 
maybe a couple of candy bars that were stolen or some uh, tire swings that were jumped off of you guys where we're a pretty close-knit group of kids especially so seeing that unlike most times where you're kind of singled out for being a problem child you, you guys were a gang of problem children so it was a very fun summer for the most part for you guys because of this camp and afterwards getting to hang out and do things with each other throughout the game we're going to have two one of the things we're going to do with the game the players already know this is we're just randomly the character the players will come up with some backstory like where they have a memory of something or you know what i mean or just kind of free free form it in a way so towards the end of the summer around roughly when there was like a week left you all knew that amanda was getting married and eventually going to move to stanford california because her husband, her future husband, was going to go to school there. She was going to move there with them. She was his fiance, and then they're going to get married there. So that last couple of weeks was a little somber, knowing that she's going to be leaving, and also that this thing was going to be wrapping up soon. But there was one distinct afternoon that really kind of brought feelings of happiness and everything to a screeching halt. It was when you guys were, you'd actually were staying after the camp ended for the day, helping her clean up because she would help with the younger kids or whatever, the, the counselors had the younger kids. And you guys just wanted to be around her, like you said, for your different reasons. And you saw towards the end when you guys were getting your bikes off the bike rack and getting ready to go cause havoc, you saw about 50 yards away her walking to her car that her parents had given her that year for graduating and seeing three people walking up to her in a loud manner confronting her. You couldn't really hear, but you saw the figures first. You saw there were three of them. One was a female and uh, two of them were males. The female kind of had curly, dirty blonde hair. She was probably like the same height, same size, you could tell, as Amanda was. She looked, though, like she really was upset. Like you could see the scorn and disgust on her face. And like she was talking so intensely to Amanda that spittle was flying out of her mouth. And you see this other guy standing behind her. He wore like a, a purple crushed velvet shirt had some gray slacks on. You, he had dark hair, really thick, dark hair that was kind of combed back. And I had a really thick handlebar mustache with really intense eyes. And he was just standing there, not really doing as much shouting, but was kind of a, definitely taller than the others, more athletically built and was more imposing. And then you see finally the person who seemed to be the most in her face, definitely invading her personal space, was a guy who was about 5'11", had blonde hair, it was cut in the style that it was usually that day. That was kind of a bowl cut almost that was cut to the back of his neck. Clean shaven guy had a sleeveless shirt on that had kind of had like a California skyline on it, had some bell bottom jeans on. And he's just like ripping into her, you know, like pointing at her, almost like poking her chest and everything like that. When you guys are standing there watching, it's almost like a paralyzation like came over you guys, paralysis, uh, where uh, I don't know if you ever experienced as a kid. I did because I was kind of a troublemaker at times where almost like you're getting caught and your body just locks down. You know, either two things happen. You start laughing uncontrollably because you're scared shitless or your body locks down because you're like, oh, crap, like a deer in a headlight look. That's almost what you guys are feeling right now when you see this. You see them screaming and they're yelling. You see her like she's kind of backing up slowly to her car. And then you see one of them look, the, the female looking at your guy's direction. She kind of like taps the guy in the chest, the blonde, and he stops and she points. And there's this moment of silence where like the 10 of you are on your bikes staring at, at these three. And then they just turn around and they get back into this piece of shit Jetta car, yellow Jetta. And they just drive off in a plume of smoke. And you see her turn around. And she's looking at you guys and she just kind of waves and she has this uneasy smile and she just gets back in her car 
and drives off. So how does that impact Alex when he saw that as a child? He'd have been just scared stiff. He wouldn't know how to react because as much as he likes to joke and get attention, he doesn't know how to handle a threatening situation, at least not at that point. So he'd just be a deer in headlights. In all reality, too, you probably had never witnessed something like that either as a kid, you know, seeing like three adults come and just start badgering verbally, you know, and, and things like that getting intense. So, yeah, definitely. I could see that. What about you, uh, Michael? Yeah, it was definitely scary. And, you know, Michael saw it as a grown up business, something he had no business meddling in and he didn't want to meddle with. He didn't want to get hurt. And, you know, he was genuinely scared. As that week wraps towards the end, you get invited by Amanda's mom who came one day and told you guys about how she was throwing a going away party at her house for Amanda when she, before she moves to Stanford with her, with her fiance. You guys are excited because A, you know, it's a cookout and it's a summertime cookout and what better way to, to wrap up a summer, but also you get to hang out with Amanda outside of, of a camp. And for those of you who may have had crushes on her or whatever, you know, as a boy with a crush, just being around a chick like that kind of uh, is worth the hassle, even if you're way out of her age limit, but it's still, it's still pretty rock and roll. So she lives on fourth street. And Bismarck, North Dakota, which is, is a street that is in the north northeastern side of Bismarck by the state capital. So for those of you who know the state capital of North Dakota is actually the tallest state capital in the United States. It's almost like a skyscraper in a way. And around the skyscraper, there's these huge, lush, green grounds. where They, they also have like a museum and they have a state library. You go there and there's like, I'm serious, like fields. You can see a field of green grass, but then there's neighborhoods that are built around the, the square that the, the capital resides in. These houses were built like in the 50s, really quaint neighborhoods of middle-class families, kind of blue-collar middle-class families that take pride in their neighborhood. If you guys go on 4th Street, which is kind of a two-way busier street, you, you kind of feel the ease of the shadows that these that trees in the front yards give over the sidewalks. And you see acorns that kind of have fallen off and some crab apples showing that fall is coming around. But you guys feel like free when you're riding your bikes. You feel like like a force, like a well-oiled machine, like a like a like the movies where you watch the wild ones with Marlon Brando and they're on their motorcycles and just like eat miles on the highway. You guys feel that way as you're just cruising down on your bikes, riding along traffic too that's going like at 30 miles per hour, 40 miles per hour as you come up to her house which is on the left side of the road you see as you guys roll up her house is kind of painted a mustard color has a crab apple tree in the front well taken care of green grass and you can hear the sound of music in the background or in the back of the house of like 70s disco you know any stuff that amanda would have listened to with her high school friends playing on a record player you you, you hear people talking and and stuff like that and, and you can tell like yeah that you're, you're coming to a uh you're coming to one hell of a party here as you guys uh, come get off your bikes, you kind of like don't know where to drop your bikes, but you're like, hey, you've gotten this sense of camaraderie. You're like, we'll drop our bikes wherever we want to drop them. You kind of just put them in our front yard. So there's like 10 bicycles just either on the kickstands or laying on their sides. As you guys walk up to the front door and you see that the screen door, it's one of those old screen doors where they could put the little thing on top to set it to stay open and uh, you see people in the living room and you guys walk in there and, and, and it's there's like about 50 people throughout the house this small house or out in the backyard where the grilling's going on you kind of at this point just grab a soda you're feeling like yeah you can pig out on food and amanda makes her way with each one of you and kind of does the same thing that she did before where she talks about you know not to forget what she taught you guys and how she'll be coming back once in a while and hopes to see you guys and see you know what i mean that you're doing better things you haven't 
forgotten everything like that. As you're in the backyard standing there too, you notice behind her, there's like a Catholic church that, that is actually really strikingly, even as kids, you look at it, how ornate it is and how old it is, but, but seems to be well taken care of along with like some alleyway that has a grade school that's in the back there too. You guys are sitting there and, and, and you're enjoying your time for a while until you realize that this is old people talking and you guys are, there's no one else your age really there. And, You've done everything you can, and and you kind of see Amanda with her boyfriend, her future husband, like holding his hand, and that kind of just rubs you guys the wrong way a little bit. Like this guy's encroaching on your territory in a way. So you guys decide to dip out, and while you're dipping out, you get on your bikes and you start going down the sidewalk again. You guys all kind of notice out of the corner of your eyes, you get like two blocks down. You see the guy who was pointing his finger in Amanda's chest with the blonde hair getting out of his yellow pinto and looking like he's like looking through some mail that he got in his mailbox as he's walking to the front step with with his keys in his hand. And now in modern day, when you look back on these times, modern day being 1987, when you look back on these years, you kind of just think at this moment, you know, after that, you guys just kind of drifted apart. I mean, you don't like if, if if you were to sit there in 1987 and have someone go up to your characters and ask what exactly happened with the group, you you kind of like, oh, I don't know what happens to kids. And you find other interests. School year starts. You guys go to different schools. You know, who who knows what happens? But you do know that about three months later, right before, right, actually right when the the winter starts hitting North Dakota, when that when there's ice on the windows that you have to scrape off and you have to plug in your cars to get them warm enough to start, you come home from school and your mom tells you or your or your your parents in one way but you know obviously your mom michael and and both your parents alex tell you how amanda was killed and in stanford and how there's going to be a funeral in a week and how basically that you, you guys are going to go to the funeral and you're going to go to the wake that's at her parents house afterwards when you go to the funeral how do you how do you feel at this funeral when you when you go there like what, what's what's going on with alex he is just, he's devastated. You know, she was one person who seemed to really connect with him and really care about him. And now she's just gone and he doesn't know how to quite handle that. So it's a lot for him to process, but there's still that just cold block of ice in the pit of his stomach that something God. is terribly wrong here. What about you, Michael? Yeah, I think he's definitely sad, but maybe not as sad as Alex. He's already had this happen to him before. With his father, you know, someone important to him died and, you know, probably tries to console the others. Like be the, be the, the like yeah. the rock of strength at that time. Yeah. Would Michael feel at this moment, like, like everyone that pretty much he gives a shit about gets taken sooner or later and like not to yeah, not make him colder at this moment? It's, it's cynical, I think. Cynical. I like that. Okay. Definitely. Well, as you guys are at the funeral, you really, at this moment, aren't, aren't seeing each other too much at the funeral. It's not until the wake. And you guys are sitting there, and like like you said, Michael, you're trying to console others, but you feel this weird tension between you guys, and you don't know what it is. You don't know, I mean, in retrospect, you just remember like it being really awkward here. And, it, it, and you know, you may have written it off to the fact that someone died, that she died, or that you guys hadn't been around each other, and that you guys are kind of forced to be around each other. But there's this weird tension in the air, almost like, I don't want to say like passive aggressiveness, but it's like almost makes the hair on your arms, the little fine peach fuzz you guys had at your arms at this time, raise up a little bit when you'd make eye contact with someone from the group. But you chose, you thought maybe it was just the, 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 the what was going on. I mean, shit, what, what kid has to go through this type of shit? And how are they supposed to react? There's no, there's no set in stone way for how them to react. But 
when you're at this house again, you, you know, this house that was like full of life, you know, vibrancy, seeing that Amanda was her parents' only daughter goes from that to like this somber, just like, uh, like it's almost like that bright mustard of the summer paint that they had is now like a, it's like a dark, bitter bile like color because of the overhead of the winter with the sun being kind of overcast with the dark clouds and with the ice and the snow and and you go inside and now it's like you feel trapped inside without because the doors aren't open on both ends you know there's no like traffic going through the front yard to the backyard there's no celebration it's all inside and as, and you just hear like this constant like of like a grandfather clock that's in a study that her dad had and like you start noticing like the, like the crucifix that's on the that's on the wall that's that's ornated from like dark wood and you start realizing that like you feel like this is a prison and at this point you feel like not only because of her death not only because of the tension you feel but you feel like you can't just be in this room and eventually you guys ask your parents to leave while the family mourns and that leads to us fast forwarding to 1987 so alex tell me what happened with Alex from that moment to 1987 and how did everything affect him? Her death left a uh, pretty big hole in Alex and eventually, you know, he went back to school. The pranks started up again. They started to get a little bit meaner and eventually he fell into drugs, you know, a little bit of pot. Then eventually it became a little bit of pot, a little bit of cocaine until before he was 18 he ended up as a heroin addict. He dropped out of high school, fell into the world of drugs for several years. It's largely a blur to him. You know, a couple of near overdoses, probably at least one or two medical emergencies where he ended up in the hospital, but he always went right back to it. Couldn't keep a job, was going from basically crack house to crack house until finally about a year or two before the present, he decided that he was going to shoot up in a park, passed out in the park, and his father, who was out walking the dog, found him and carried him and his stuff home. And, and from there is when he became clean, right? Yep. He started getting clean, um, made a deal with his parents where he was able to live in one of the properties that they own. Uh, he realized that he had sort of hit rock bottom. And that he needed to start crawling his way out of the hole. So first thing he did, he got clean. Then he found himself a stable job. He's been working at a bar. Started off as a bar back. Eventually became a bartender. And in the meantime, on his private time, he's been looking into taking his GED. And possibly even starting some sort of college eventually. He works at a bar called the Main Bar. That's on Main Street. And I know it's creative, but it's a real bar. But it's in Bismarck, <laughs> where which is kind of like a blue collar bar where, where blue collar types go to to drink their sorrows away. What's Alex's appearance and 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 how does he look in his mannerisms at this age? Like what 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 kind of style does he have? And so on and so forth. He's a pretty tall guy. He's about six feet tall. Um, he's got blonde hair, blue eyes. He's very skinny, like borderline unhealthy largely as a result of spending so many years putting his money towards drugs instead of, you know, food. He, uh, he dresses very plainly, you know, blue jeans, probably a flannel shirt or a basic button up shirt, nothing flashy, probably has a, uh, a leather jacket. We'll say something he inherited from his father or grandfather older. 
It's got a couple of rips. The leather's in rough shape here and there, but it's serviceable. Would you say he's like the type to listen to country western music and stuff, or is he like more of a rock guy, or is he just his main concern right now is getting his life back on strat? Oh, it's all about Zeppelin. It's all about the Zeppelin. So what? What you said? He's taller. Like what? What color of hair does he have? And like like whatever is like what features that? Yeah, he's like, blonde hair, blue eyed. Uh, you wouldn't necessarily you peg him more as a German than you know like stereotypical German as opposed to Russian. Does he have any facial hair? Or like what kind? Does he have just have a short haircut like that? Or very short, close cropped hair, no facial hair. He keeps himself clean shaven. He really tries to put an effort into keeping himself clean in every way possible. But you also tell me, didn't you mention like he's also like looked into like healthy eating and stuff like that? Didn't you mention that to me before? Yeah, he's looked into stuff like that, but he still can't quite afford to do it. Yeah, and obviously, especially in the eighties, right? Yeah, and you know, he's got a lot of old debts to pay, whether it's literal cash or asking people for forgiveness. So much of his effort is spent on trying to make up for what he was instead of trying to build himself into something better at the moment. And he's currently staying right now in one of the rooms because your parents have like a house where they rent rooms out of, right? Yeah, they have a house that's been subdivided into several apartments. And he lives in one of the apartments uh, rent-free. But in exchange for that, it's his job to take care of the house. So if a hole in the roof needs to be patched, he has to grab the ladder and go up and do it. If the snow needs to be shoveled, he has to get out of bed at 4.30 in the morning to shovel it so that everyone can get out to work. Builds character, right? I I call that paying back a debt to your parents. Yeah. For being such a little shit. Michael, just kind of go over the same stuff that Adam went over for Alex. Well, what happened afterwards, he he started really applying himself in track and field, you know, doing all the sports stuff, but he never really stopped being so aggressive or bullying people. He was still sort of a, he was an ass. He was. And afterwards, he got a scholarship to the private high school, Catholic school. Yeah. But he got kicked out later on because of his yeah. attitude, you know, because he beat people up and that was probably uh, the his wake up call he, uh, afterwards he went to a public high school and then went on to get a, a degree in criminal justice was it right yep criminal justice yep yeah where he got a scholarship thanks to his sport when he really started applying himself and he really tried to make himself a better person you know uh trying to uh make amends for what uh who he was like paying back society and yeah. everything right yep and afterwards after college he went on to become a police officer and he's a, just first year officer and uh, Bismarck PD serving uh, there, kind of just doing the normal answer, getting calls, domestic violence, breaking and entering, traffic citations, uh, just your normal kind of beat cop at the moment. So what does he look like and what are his mannerisms and his personalities nowadays? I think he's very uh, upfront. He doesn't like lying. He's He just likes to be honest to people. Uh, sometimes that doesn't go over well. And he's uh, six foot one tall. He weighs 160 pounds, 24 years old, has brown hair, gray eyes. And yeah, that's probably a short, nice. short hair, haircut. Nothing too fancy. No facial hair? Or does he have the 80s mustache? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. 
<laughs> gotcha. So there was a scene that you guys, and for just for you know, I've obviously been working with these two, going over the background for the characters because that's our goal. We want this game not only to be like story driven but character driven, and, and them discovering more about their characters. But there was a scene that you two came up with on your own, kind of about where you guys ran into each other at one point between all this. Am, am I correct? Yep. And, and what, what what exactly was that scene? I'll let you guys talk about it. That was Maybe. when we were at the same house party, like a year or two after high school. Yes. Stumbled on upon him away. He was about to shoot up. And I tried to convince him, convince him not to, uh, but he refused and stormed off. And I found him later on with a needle in his arm, passed out. You just kind of left him there, or was that like was that when you were going to college? Or that no, was oh, that was college. So I, I guess I probably would have called someone definitely at that point. Definitely. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. 